This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. Today we're talking Pope Francis, the family, and wasting time. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss that. <laughs> you know, some of the things that we're going to cover today uh, will be what it was like to cook for and serve a meal to Pope Francis. You know, he was just here a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's amazing. Time flies. You know, he's already back in Rome. But man, what a powerful, powerful uh, a few days of having Pope Francis right here with us in the United States. Uh, really amazing stuff. You know, the way God works, the way that God works through him. Uh, the way that God has touched hearts, I think, here in the United States, people who uh, aren't even uh, you know, practicing any faith who have been touched by Pope Francis. I, I don't know about you, but I was glued to uh, the television trying to catch all the coverage I could while uh, Pope Francis was here in the United States. Uh, and, but today, you know, some of the things that we're going to talk about today, uh, as I mentioned, what is what, what was it like to cook for and to serve a meal to Pope Francis? Uh, Chef Lydia Bastianich uh, fed Pope Francis while he was in New York, and uh, we're going to get a sneak peek into what that experience was like. You know, just a couple of weeks, about a week ago, I guess, I posted an article over at CatholicFoodie.com that uh, went to the menu, you know, what she prepared for him. Of course, Lydia Bastianich, right? It's, it's going to be Italian fare, and of course, that is something that uh, Pope Francis is very familiar with. <laughs> and uh, But very simple, very simple menus. I had someone on uh, on Facebook uh, made a comment to the Catholic Foodie page over on Facebook, made a comment uh, about the amount of wine <laughs> that were on the menus. You know, you had different bottles, uh, more than one bottle at, at, at every meal. And the comment, his comment, which I, 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 I didn't like because I think it was a little, the connotation was, was somewhat negative, but basically suggesting that, you know, boy, Pope Francis sure does like his wine. Uh, when in actuality, you have uh, Lydia Bastianich, her family has a winery. They've got a winery. They've got vineyards, you know. And uh, she's probably, all the, the wines that were served were her wines, you know. And she's, she is uh, featuring her wines at, a speci- at special meals, at special dinners that are prepared for, for special people like the Pope. I'm sure he wasn't there, you know, with uh, multiple wine glasses uh, and a straw, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the the impression I got from that that comment. That's unfortunate because I don't I don't think that was uh, the case in in any uh, way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear uh, Lydia in just a bit uh, share her experience of what it was like to to serve the Pope. This is the second time that she served a Pope, uh, Pope Benedict. She she uh, cooked for him and, and served uh, his meals when he visited the United States, and uh, and here she is the second time around. Uh, cooking for, uh, for Pope Francis. Hey, uh, and the, the thing that I loved about that, the thing that was just so beautiful to me, and I mentioned this in the article, is the fact that it was, I mean, the message that Pope Francis, uh, from start to finish in his visit to the United States really had to do with the family. Uh, the world meeting of families was ultimately the cause, the reason for his visit. And, uh, and, and so throughout his visit through from Washington, DC to New York, and then finally to Philadelphia, we heard the same theme over and over again, the importance of the family, right? The importance of the family. He talked about wasting time together. He talked about how important it is because these relationships are, are so important. And, uh, and he demonstrated that not only did he talk it, not only did he, did he say it, not only did he teach this, but he, he showed us by his actions and, and what he, what he did while he was with us to, to, to reiterate, to, to highlight the importance of family life. It's really all about the family. That's really what it's all about. 
And uh, even the church, what is the church? The church is the family of God. It's, it's uh, all about family, folks. So what I thought was just so beautiful about the fact that Lydia Bastianich was the one preparing meals for the Pope is not just the fact that she's cool or I like her cuisine. Her cookbooks are awesome. Not, not that only. I mean, that's all good. But it's the fact that she did it. It was a family event. It, it was her husband. Her, her children uh, contributed. Everybody was there to help and to cook and to prepare this for the Pope. So it really was a, a family project, uh, if you will, to serve Pope Francis, which led me, by the way, that led me to, uh, to that, that call out last, uh, last show for voice feedback to, uh, to see what, what would you cook? Pope Francis, what would you cook if Pope Francis was coming to your house? What would you prepare for him? And a friend of mine, David Hubble, who is in Mobile, he's a, he's a Louisiana, uh, South Louisiana, uh, transplant. He's in uh, Mobile, lives in Mobile, Alabama, but from, uh, from the New Orleans area originally. And, uh, David, David is a listener of the Catholic foodie show. We've, we've, uh, we've never met in person, unfortunately, but, uh, we have communicated quite a bit over the years, uh, through about food, about food and faith, uh, with the Catholic foodie. So I'm thrilled to, uh, to share this with you and, uh, let's take a listen and see what David would prepare if Pope Francis was coming to his house. Hey, Jeff. David Hubble from Mobile calling to tell you what I would cook for Pope Francis if you visited my house. As you know, my roots are from Louisiana, so it's obviously something Cajun Creole influenced. I think I'd start off with an antipasta tray with some mushrooms, black olives, artichoke hearts, all marinated in oil and vinegar and garlic with uh, some pickled melaton on the side. Uh, then I would also have some homemade hogshead cheese with crackers for him to try, as well as some pepper jelly made from my homegrown Tabasco peppers over some cream cheese. I think I'd follow it up with a West Indies salad made with some good blue crabs from the Gulf as a nod to my mobile connection, and then a cup of chicken, smoked turkey neck, and homemade undewy gumbo. Then the main meal would probably be some smoked baby back ribs with jambalaya, spinach, madeleine on the side, and followed by a dessert of pecan, um, excuse me, Bananas foster with uh, vanilla ice cream and a cup of uh, good French market coffee and cherry. <laughs> so what do you think? I'll talk to you soon. Join the show. David. Oh man, that that that's incredible, David. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, what what a menu! What a menu! I'm telling you, folks. If y'all aren't, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not from South Louisiana, you haven't really uh, been uh, privileged to uh, to try some of the the very the real down home cuisine here in uh, South Louisiana. David mentioned a number of things, from merleton to uh, to that special gumbo. You know, a number of things that are near and dear to our hearts down here. And I think that's the key, right? That's the trick. You know, you want to, when, when, when we have people over, we want to be hospitable. We're giving not just of our time, not just of our resources, not just uh, whatever's in our pantry, right? We're given of ourselves. We're given of ourselves. And I know uh, we have a, a very strong culinary culture down in, in South Louisiana and other, other places around the country that can say the same, whether it's, it's barbecue, you know, you got certain areas of the country that are, that are famous for, for barbecue, but we have a, we take a special pride, I think, in, in the food that we prepare down here. And so to, to prepare something like that from home is really a gift of the self. It's, 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 it's giving with the heart. 
It, it's uh, uh, it, it's giving not only the food and the time that the preparation, all of that it really is giving uh, your your very self and and doing this. So, David, I'm wild. I think that's fantastic. Matter of fact, um, why don't I just put a, a, a I can kind of get some cardboard, you know, maybe some uh, poster poster board or something, and I'll, I'll make a big white miter and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> put a big cross on the front of it. I'll come over to your house and I'll pretend to be Pope Francis. Hey, I'll even speak Spanish the whole time. It'll be great. <laughs> and you can, you can cook and I can eat and we'll take pictures and we'll send them, send the pictures to the Pope. How about that? I think that would be uh, fantastic. No, David, I love it. I think that is great. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, for the voice feedback, but also thank you for uh, just, just for, for being a friend for uh, conversing with me over at uh, catholicfoodie.com. Always great to to hear your voice, uh, whether that voice is actually a voice feedback, a telephone call, a message, or or even the feedback that you leave um, written, written wise. Uh, Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate that. So that was cool, man. That was awesome. I, I don't know. I said, you know, what I what I mentioned last show is that I would probably do something that was Argentinian and then add kind of a Cajun Creole flair to it, you know, a little little um, uh, fusion cooking, you know, to be kind of creative. But I have to say, after hearing what David wants to prepare, I'm I'm uh, I think I think I'm with him. I think I'm with him. So uh, what was it like? What was it like to prepare a meal for? Pope Francis. Let's take a listen to Lydia Bastianich and uh, hear what she has to say. It's it's uh, this is an interview. I didn't conduct this interview. I don't I don't uh, have that kind of pull to get uh, Lydia Bastianich on on the radio show here on the Catholic Foodie Show. But I, I did find this on uh, you know the internet. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the Associated Press uh, Press had this uh, video available. And uh, let's take a listen. To be able to serve him, uh, for me, it's an extraordinary honor and pleasure. And to be able for this to be the second pope I serve, I I think is extraordinary. To have the honor and the privilege to be in his presence and to serve him, it is just, there are no words to describe it. It really is straightforward, simple food. We didn't make any... No foams, no no cuttings, nothing, nothing special. Um, real Italian food, straightforward, uh, with the best ingredients and the best flavor. And the presentation also simple. Mm. That's the uh, the cacio e pere, very light oh, okay. cheese and fresh pe- pears in there. Uh, a little pecorino, juicy salad of tomato with some poached lobster, and a little burrata, just a burrata, giving it a little bit of cream. Okay. And I like the contrast of colors in the uh, heirloom tomatoes. One of the desserts, uh, we're going to have Concord grape sorbet and uh, angel cake. So angel cake is light, but I, I think it plays well given the situation. In, for me, it's giving some gratitude back, some things, because, you know, I'm a refugee myself coming here. And I, so I was fed by people that care. And, that, and so I understand the communi- communication that food can have. And so this is my way of giving him lots of love and my approval and I you know and in that food for me it's everything that I feel about Catholicism and myself and maybe the future of other people that kind of you know let's let's give each other some substance some some love some understanding 
Awesome. Awesome. We need to take a break here on the Catholic Foodie Show, but we will be back in just a minute. Don't go away. talking about Pope. We're talking about the Pope. We're talking about, uh, you know, cooking for the Pope. And that's kind of about food. But hey, you're the Catholic foodie. Are you going to talk about food today? Uh, And I'm going to respond to you by saying, and this is all in my imagination, right? I'm just thinking this up. I'm just thinking this up. It's like we're actually having a conversation. But of course we are. This is the Catholic foodie show. Yes, we're going to be talking about food. You know, um, it, it was actually cold this past weekend in South Louisiana, right here, and uh, just outside of New Orleans, it was freezing cold. It was in the 60s. <laughs> You're probably uh, wanting to make fun of me right now, but, uh, you know, Frank Brightson, who is a chef uh, in, in New Orleans, uh, Frank put on his Facebook page the other day, like a public service announcement. And he said, um, all right, folks, this was on Friday. He says, all right, folks, uh, it's getting down into the 60s. Uh, this weekend, so be sure to bring in your pets and your uh, plants, and and make sure you wrap your pipes. <laughs> That's a little little South Louisiana humor. <laughs> it uh, you know it usually doesn't get too cold down here. When it does, it doesn't last for too long. It's not like uh, New York. It's not like Philadelphia. It's not like Washington Washington D.C. It's not like all those places where Pope Francis was uh, just a week or so ago. Nope, it's not. It's a little hot and humid. Matter of fact, it was down in the 60s over the weekend. A cool front came through and stayed, and it was just glorious. Uh, And then it left. (laughs) It was back in the upper 70s, I think low 80s uh, today, but still very, very humid. So uh, humidity is something that we uh, we live with uh, down here. And uh, I had a point to that. The point was this. The point was uh, we are going to talk about food today since we did have that little cold spell. The fact that football season is in full swing. I cannot help. I cannot help this time of year. uh, I I can't help but think about chili. You know, I I love to make gumbo. We make gumbo all year round. It's just just a staple for us here. And and I love gumbo. I make different kinds of gumbo. I could make uh, a chicken and sausage gumbo, chicken andouille. You know, I could make uh, turkey and andouille. I could make uh, a seafood gumbo, which usually we reserve until Christmas time. You know, around Christmas time, we do seafood because it's so expensive. It's unbelievable how expensive that is. So we save seafood gumbo for uh, for Christmas, but we also, I can kind of cheat a little bit because shrimp, you know, we're right here on the Gulf of Mexico and shrimp are so uh, cheap. You know, you can get fresh shrimp, uh, sometimes uh, $4.99 a pound, $5.99 a pound, head on, right? You got the heads on there. You want the heads, if you can get them, we can get them down here. And uh, we want the heads because 
when you're making something like a gumbo or, or, or even uh, uh, some kind of soup, uh, it really helps to have a stock to use instead of just water. And so I always make a, a stock uh, with the shells, with the heads of the shrimp, um, make a stock beforehand and, and, and use that in the gumbo instead of water. It really adds a depth of flavor you can't get any other way. I do the same thing with uh, chicken gumbo, with uh, um, turkey, all of it. I save the bones. You know, when we roast chickens here at the house, uh, I always save the bones. <laughs> It, which is kind of, um, I think some, some folks in the past who aren't used to this, they look at me like I'm crazy, you know, but I've got, I've got, uh, Ziploc bags or, or those large plastic resealable bags, right? I've got tons of those in the freezer full of bones, chicken bones. And, uh, in addition to that, I have other bags that are filled with, uh, just the leftovers of vegetables. If I'm, if I'm chopping onions as an example for some, uh, recipe, I will take the ends of the onions and also the skins and stick them in a, in a, in a resealable plastic bag and, and throw them into the fridge. And it's not just the onions. It's, it's garlic peelings. Uh, it's uh, the ends of carrots. Or if we ever have to grate carrots for any reason, I'll take the, what the, the part that we grate off, the outside, the skin. I'll take that and i put that into Ziploc bags. I put all of that together, store in the freezer because that is perfect. Absolutely perfect for making stock. Uh, and it really, I mean, we, I'll make the stock, I'll put it on and, and let it just cook, you know, just, just barely simmer on a, on a lower temp for, you know, 18 to 24 hours. You know, you get this really beautiful bone broth that comes from that, that, that if you were to strain and uh, stick it into the, the fridge, uh, it would gel because it's just that dense with, with nutrients, with the, the collagen, I guess that comes from the bones, uh, just a lot of really, really good, healthy, healthy stuff. And so I use stocks in order to make gumbos, but, and I, you may think I'm losing my train of thought. I'm not, I'm coming back around to the chili. (laughs) The point is for some reason, and I don't know if this goes back to my childhood. I, I really don't know why, Maybe all the tailgating, you know, if you go tailgating uh, for football games, something that's easy to make for tailgating is chili. All you need is a crock pot, right? You can put it, you could cook it anywhere. And as long as you got an electric, something electric to plug it into, you, you've got power source and you can, you can make chili. So I think maybe that's why just a younger child, maybe uh, tailgating, going to football games and chili was just an easy thing to make. And so I associate football, cooler weather with chili. And I've got a great chili recipe I want to share with you a little bit later in the show. I also have one that I want, if I got, if I have time today, I'm going to do this. It's a, a Cajun macaroni and cheese recipe. Now this is the kind of thing that would make you like the next food network star in your home or in your neighborhood, right? With your family and friends, because it is just so incredibly good. Uh, it is decadent. Uh, I will tell you that just kind of like, I think any kind of Mac and cheese is somewhat decadent. If you make it from scratch, you make it at home, you can make it the way you want to make it. Not out of a box, right? Use real cheese, real milk, real butter. And, and you can put whatever you want in there. You want to put chicken in it? Hey, no problem. Put some chicken in there. You know, I've got dogs barking here. They must hear me talking about food. That's what happens when I do the show from home, folks. When I do the show from home, you never know what you're going to hear. You might hear a baby crying. You might hear teenagers fighting. You never know, but that's okay. 
So this, this Cajun uh, uh, macaroni and cheese recipe is something that I got. I found this just the other day. Uh, it's Louisiana Cooking Magazine. Louisiana Cooking, you can find that at Louisiana Cooking. No G, no G at the end. Just K, uh, C-O-O-K-I-N, right? Cooking. Louisiana Cooking uh, Magazine at LouisianaCooking.com. Uh, but you're also going to find a link to that recipe in the show notes for this show over at catholicfoodie.com. So you don't have to worry about it. If you don't have a pen and paper or handy, don't worry. I got you covered. Just go to catholicfoodie.com and you will uh, you will find that there. So uh, th- that's what's coming up a little bit later in the show. You know, we're talking about um, Lydia Bastianich cooking for the Pope. And I mentioned to you that it's uh, it was all about family, right? It's all about family. And I think overall, like life, it really is all about family. And one of the things that the Pope talked about, and if you look back, matter of fact, you can go to the USCCB's website, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Go to their website. You can check it out. They, I will, again, put a link in the show notes so you can find this. But you can go there, and they have a document. It's a PDF file, a document that they continue to update. And it is a list of, uh, I guess, pertinent, important uh, quotes of Pope Francis uh, broken down by topic. And, you know, it's a PDF file. So with PDF files, one of the things you could do is you could hyperlink um, certain things, uh, your text. And that's what they've done. They've done it. They've broken it down by topic. The very first page, I think, or second page maybe on that in that document is a sort of a, not really a table of contents necessarily, but it is a list of topics. And one of those topics has to do with family and community. If you click on that, it'll take you further down in the document where you'll just see quote after quote after quote after quote of Pope Francis on that particular topic. And uh, some of it goes back to 2013. Uh, Some of it is from uh, the encyclical Laudato Si that he just uh, released a, 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 a couple of months ago. And some of it you know, they do have it updated. They have have it updated. Some of it comes from his recent uh, uh, talks and presentations and homilies uh, when he was here in the United States, in Washington, D.C., in New York, and in Philadelphia. So you have up-to-date quotes from the Pope on the family. And, uh, you know, the one thing you can say about Pope Francis is just this beautiful, Beautiful simplicity. You know, there's a lot of lot of people uh, very um, got a lot of, got upset. A lot of lot of folks got upset. I I watched a lot of coverage. I don't know if you watched coverage of the Pope while he was here. I made it a special point. I, for me, it was a historic moment, and I didn't want to miss any of it. So I typically I'm not the kind of person that sits in front of the television all the time. But I made sure that I sat in front of the TV as often as I could. And if I wasn't in front of the TV, I had either. Uh, um, uh, the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM or EWTN Radio, one of those with me, and I'm listening to, to I wanted to catch all of it. I didn't want to miss anything. And one of the things that, uh, you know, folks were, I just remember hearing a lot of people upset. Oh, he didn't say anything about abortion. Oh, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. He didn't do this. But the thing is that if you look at him overall and you see what that, what he not only said, but what he did, it is a beautiful simplicity. It is a powerful testimony and witness to the truth. He is preaching like Francis, like St. Francis, right? Not only with words, but with his actions. And I thought that was so incredibly 
powerful. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We're going to talk a little bit about what Pope Francis said about the family. When we come back, we do have to take a break. You are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Redbox Media. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. together with your family and friends around the table. Uh, food, food obviously uh, plays a part. I'm a, I'm a big proponent, by the way, big proponent that, um, you know, if you're going to do something when it comes to food and you're, you're trying to attract a crowd, I'm a big proponent in, uh, you know, bigger is better. Uh, not necessarily bigger as in size, but in, in terms of quality right? Bigger is better. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times you see church events where that's not the case. You know, you have a church event, you want a bunch of people to come, you want them to hear the message of the gospel, you want them to hear all this stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you advertise it ahead of time, you know, food's going to be provided, babysitting is provided. And they, they share the menu when they say food is provided. And it's like, you know, hot dogs and, and pork and beans. And, uh, and I'm sure, you know, in a lot of ways that has, it has its place, you know, that's not, but, but I think, and in my own experience, I know that, you know, if you feed people, they're going to come. And I see the same thing with Jesus, right? Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. Jesus feeds us. He, he, he brings us to himself. He, He doesn't just preach to us right? Doesn't just teach us. He actually feeds us. And, and of course, today he feeds us with the finest of wheat, with the best food, the food uh, for eternal life, uh, his, his very self in the Eucharist. But I, I, I firmly believe that we could use food as a means of evangelization, as a way to bring the word of God or to actually to bring people to God, to bring people to Jesus, right? Just to, to be open to listening to the message. If we can feed them first, we do the same thing in the mission, in mission territory. What do we do? We feed people, right? We got to take care of their material needs first, and then we can talk to them about the love of God. We can talk to them about uh, the, the, the good news of the gospel. And uh, I think it's the same, same thing here, that in this culture today that we live in, one that is, I, th- I mean, you look at it, look at what we, where we live in, in the United States today. Uh, is, it, is it hedonistic? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think so. Uh, are there problems? Is there a lot of gluttony? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think that that's a big problem in our culture today, uh, gluttony. Um, at the same time, if we're wanting to reach people, if we're really wanting to, to bring people closer to God, if we really want them to stop, because that's the problem. The problem is, is that we're too busy for our own good. We're on the go constantly. And so if we really want people to stop and listen, we need to have a reason for them to. And I find that if you prepare a wonderful meal 
and it's really good food, hey, you got a captive audience, you know, people are going to listen, they're going to be there. And I love that. I love that. That's one of the reasons why I think, you know, it's so, it's so important. It's so important. It's so important. And I know we are at fault in my own family. We don't do this enough, but it's so important to be hospitable. To, that your table is not just a table for you, it's a table for others. And that, you know, you invite friends over, you invite family over, you invite parishioners, fellow parishioners over, you invite people who, uh, who are strangers over, neighbors. You know, we, I remember when I was growing up, I actually knew my neighbor's names. Amazing, isn't it? You know, I, I knew people who lived down the street. Today, it seems like we're just so busy and everybody's in their own little world with their own little device that, uh, we don't know each other. And the table is just such a beautiful way to get to know each other, whether it's your own family or people in your extended family, in your parish, in your community, whatever the family, the, the, the table's a perfect place to do that. And another thing that's just so awesome, it's scriptural. I mean, you look back in the Old Testament, you can see that shared meals were just so incredibly important. Every covenant that God made with his people culminated and a shared meal, a shared meal, uh, where all the people of God shared in that meal. And of course, you could see that most clearly, most clearly in the Exodus, right, with the Passover meal, that, uh, that, that paradigm, that, that image there of the shared meal as a culmination of a covenant uh, is seen most clearly, I think, there. Big deals, man, big, big stuff. And uh, the Pope, so simple in his simplicity, talking about the family. You know, I've had, I've had folks, I've been interviewed before on, uh, different radio shows and, and, um, yeah, I remember being, uh, interviewed on, um, Busted Halo, uh, before with, uh, Father Dave Dwyer and, and, and him, he, he was, he said he had to play the devil's advocate, right? He had to play the devil's advocate talking about gluttony and, uh, and, and, and fasting and what the gospel calls us to. And I, I said, absolutely. I said, that's the beautiful thing about our church is that there's a time for everything. You know, it's, it's seasonal, our church, right? Liturgical and seasonal. And so there's a time for fasting. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's critical, critical that we have within our own lives, uh, prayer and fasting. We have to have that. Uh, but at the same time, we have feast days. You know, this past week was just a glory. For me, it was glorious. I, I absolutely love this time of the year, October. Uh, the fall to me is just, I don't know. There's just something about it, my favorite time of the year, something about it. And, uh, part of that is, you know, we celebrate on, on October 1st, the, the feast of, of, um, St. Therese, a little flower, uh, who, by the way, just this past Sunday, I had the privilege with my, my wife, my family, with a bunch of members of, of a movement out of Poland called the domestic church. They're now here in the United States. I had the privilege. We had the privilege of going to adoration. Eucharistic Adoration with St. Therese of Lisieux. We had the privilege of going to Mass with St. Therese of Lisieux. And then finally, at the end, my, my family and I, my wife and our children, we had an opportunity to pray privately with St. Therese of Lisieux. Is that amazing? I'm talking about a first class relic. If you don't know anything about relics, maybe I'll have to put something in the show notes. Maybe we can maybe talk about that at some other, on some other show. But it was a first class relic, which meant it was a part of St. Therese's body, probably a bone, bone fragment, something like that, that, that was uh, at, this, at this event on Sunday. 
and uh, was present in a reliquary, which looks a lot like a, a monstrance. You know, it's a smaller though. And the reliquary was on the altar for adoration. We had, we had the monstrance there and the reliquary was off to the side. And then, uh, and then, and then for mass, uh, the right next to the crucifixion, you know, the, the, the reliquary, uh, the, the relic of, of St. Therese right there on the altar as, uh, as mass was celebrated. And then we had a chance just to go and to pray and ask her to, to pray for us, to pray for our family. My, my family and I, we have a, a very strong devotion, uh, to St. Therese, the little flower that goes back, you know, a long, long time since before my wife and I were married, we're going to be married 17 years this year. And, uh, so St. Therese, very special to us. Matter of fact, our youngest child, uh, just uh, just almost four months old. Her name is Zelie. And uh, in French, you would say Zelie. But uh, Zelie is how we're going to pronounce it. And uh, that that's she's named after St. Therese's mama. Uh, Blessed Louis and Zelie Martin are going to be uh, canonized saints this month uh, in just a couple of weeks. And uh, very, or a week and a half, I think. Very, very excited about that. And uh, very special. So to, to have spent time with St. Therese on Sunday was, wow, such an incredible blessing. So thrilled about that. And uh, I was talking about simplicity. I was talking about family. I was talking about what? What was the point? I think the point was community. The point was family. I, I said the point was fasting and prayer and the need for fasting and prayer in life. I said I was in the past I, I interviewed by different people. And I, in particular, this one memory that, that really sticks with me was being interviewed by Father Dave uh, Dwyer of the Busted Halo Show. Playing devil's advocate, talking about fasting and the need to fast. Here I am, the Catholic foodie. And how, how does that pan out? You know, is that a gluttonous thing? Is it all about gluttony, all about the food? And you know, I tell him, I was like, no, you know, the, the, the faith is seasonal. And, and we do have a time for everything. Very, very important. But in addition to that, um, I, I do think that, that really good food does bring people together. However, and I was very clear with him. I said, you know, I, I write about food. I'm a food writer. I have a book out. It's a, it's a cookbook. It's got st- full of stories, though, too. And if you read any of my stuff, you'll see that I, I talk about food. I write about food. I give you recipes. I, I try to make it, I break it down to the most simple components, you know, little simple steps to tell you how to cook, uh, to make it as simple as possible. Cause I know there's a lot of folks out there who just don't know how to cook today and that's okay. We can always learn. Right. But it's really, and here's the secret. It's, and it's kind of weird to even say it, but it's true. It really isn't about the food. <laughs> the Catholic foodie here. And, and I'm telling you, it's really not about the food. It's about the meals, the shared meals. And when you look at that, when you look at those, you, you start to realize that it's really not about the shared meals either. What's it really about? It's about the relationships. It's about family. Uh, the family meals, God made us in a certain way. He has the instruction book. He knows how he made us. He knows uh, what we need. He knows how we relate. He knows that we are really made for love. We're made for relationship and relationships don't happen in a vacuum. You don't just, you know, you and another person or a group of people go in a room and just stand there in the room and look at each other and relate, right? Uh, anytime people get together, usually it's something that brings them together and it's through the medium of that thing that they can relate. As an example, uh, you think about of a cocktail party. 
people are there, they're having cocktails, they're talking, they're having conversation. There's some sort of an event that they're there for, right? And, and almost like the side effect of that are the conversations. Now, if you take a bigger view of that, you'll see that the conversations really are the most important thing. And that event is just there as an accident, as a, not an accident in the sense of an accident, but in the sense of it's not the most important thing It's a side effect, right? But it's the, it's the reason that they're all there. Same thing with a meal. God made us the way he did. And we, we eat traditionally three meals a day. And so you have three opportunities to come together with other people to sit around the table and to share life together. And that was the message over and over again that I heard not only Pope Francis share, but Bishop Barron shared the same message. He talked how, about how important it was to get around the table when he was being interviewed on EWTN and their coverage of the World Meeting of Families. This is before he gave his keynote. He was talking about this and he said it very, yeah, my, my ears are attuned to this now. I, I'm trained to hear this, but anytime I hear around the table, <laughs> I kind of pick up on it, you know, uh, it's the name of the book, my book, <laughs> around the table. Uh, so he talked about that, the importance of being around the table. Isn't that awesome? So, so cool. And we do, again, uh, need to take a break. Don't go away. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Redbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host. We do have to take a break. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute with recipes. foodie.com. This is actually the 238th show that I have produced um, for the Catholic Foodie. Uh, Catholic Foodie started out as a podcast only and then ended up uh, turning into radio. You know, that, that, that happens from time to time. And this is the 238th uh, show that I have uh, produced. So if you like what you hear, you can always hear more of it. <laughs> different topics, different recipes, different content, different guests. I have guests on the show too. Just go to catholicfoodie.com and you can find a link there to all the, uh, the radio and podcast uh, shows that, that I have done. All right. Now, uh, folks, we are going to talk about uh, recipes today. I did talk about that. I did promise you that. And we're going to talk, first of all, about this uh, this Cajun uh, macaroni and cheese that I saw my friends over at Louisiana Cooking Magazine put together. And they put that out. They shared that over on uh, Facebook the other day. Could not help but notice this because, oh, my goodness. You talk about comfort food. You know, comfort food typically, if you, if you look at, I don't care what culture you're talking about, you look at comfort food, typically it's not really the most healthiest thing in the world, uh, but, but we like it, <laughs> right? We like it and, it. and it makes us feel what? It makes us feel what? At home. It really does. It makes us feel at home. And matter of fact, I've had great conversations with chefs 
about this. He says, you know, we can, I've, I remember Chef Matt Murphy, the Irish house in New Orleans. He was also uh, a, a, a past winner of uh, the Food Network's um, Chopped, that show, if you're into if Food Network and, and those competitive cooking shows. Uh, Chef Matt Murphy from Ireland owns the Irish house in New Orleans as the chef over there. He, uh, I interviewed him once and we we're talking about that. He goes, yeah, you, you look at the menus at all these restaurants, you know, go, there's only like, you know, 1600 restaurants in the city of New Orleans. It's crazy. Uh, but awesome, crazy, but awesome. Uh, you look at all these restaurants, he says, you know, they have, you know, specials and you know, all these, you know, wonderful, uh, very exotic, sometimes uh, dishes, things that are just, you know, um, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, just very eclectic sometimes, special, different. Uh, it, to try, try, try to draw people in, right? You're trying to draw people into the restaurant. He says, but you know what? Time and time and time and time and time again, when people come into his restaurant, and not just his, but any restaurant, what is the number one seller? What is the best seller or best sellers on the menu? It, it's the, 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 the uh, comfort food. You know, it's the things that are, the things that you, you ate growing up as a kid. The things that make you feel good about yourself and your fellow man, about things that, that, that make you feel good about life, right? It's those comfort foods. And this, my friends, <laughs> if you like uh, seafood, if you, and some of y'all might be a little going, yeah, I don't know about, you know, this whole, uh, you know, seafood. Uh, let me see. This one may not have been have seafood. Now that I'm, I said that and I'm looking at it. No, it does not. But some folks are anti like, you know, cheese and seafood, dairy and seafood. You'd have a hard time down here in New Orleans, you know, when you've got uh, just so many dishes like casseroles, like with shrimp and crab meat and crab meat au gratin and oh my goodness, all these wonderful things. But today we are going to talk about one that is not seafood. And this particular recipe, it, it uses andouille sausage and andouille is a Cajun term. It's a, it's a sausage uh, that uh, you might be able to, if you were going to make this and you're not from around here, you might have a hard time finding andouille. If that were the case, I would say that you could safely substitute something like chorizo, which is out of Mexico. It's a, it's a very different flavor, but it is still a very spicy um, sausage that, that will, that will perform the same way. You're going to wind up with a dish that, that has a different flavor profile. You can't help that. Andouille is this just, a, it's, it's got its own taste. It does. And you can't really substitute it, substitute it hundred percent. But I, I will say that I have in the past made jambalaya, which is a classic Louisiana dish. Typically we use smoked sausage or an andouille sausage in that, in that uh, jambalaya. I have made jambalaya with chorizo before and it was fantastic. It was awesome. So I, I'd say if you, if you had to, you could substitute, um, chorizo if you don't have andouille. Anyway, this is, this is, these are the ingredients. You need a 14 ounce package, 14 ounce package of andouille sausage or chorizo cut into half inch slices. Uh, one cup of chopped red bell pepper, a cup of chopped green bell pepper. So you got your red and green in there. It's gonna be a pretty dish. Uh, a third cup, all purpose flour, two teaspoons of Cajun seasoning. You know, people, y'all know, you've heard this. Tony Sacheries is like the classic, right? Conrico is one. It got one out now. You might've heard about called Slap Your Mama. <laughs> you know, all these different uh, spices. Great. Pick one. You know, if you have your favorite, use that. Uh, one quart of whole milk. And I would, I would say, I'm going to challenge you. If you hear that and say, oh, I'm going to just use skim. Don't. Because the flavor, folks, the flavor is in the fat. The flavor is in the fat for sure. Use the whole milk, one quart whole milk, 16 ounces of shredded American cheese, and then three cups of shredded, hear this, three 
cups, <laughs> shredded mild cheddar cheese, and then one 16-ounce package of elbow pasta cooked and then kept warm. You can just kind of put that aside. The instructions for this particular recipe, in a large skillet, cook the sausage over medium-high heat until it's lightly browned, uh, about two minutes, then add the red and the green bell pepper. You want to cook that until it's tender. Uh, it's about six minutes. It doesn't have to be too long. Uh, then sprinkle with flour. And what this flour is going to do, right? You are already, you got some, you, you're going to have some grease that has come out of that sausage and it's going to be in the pan. You're going to add some flour in there. What's that going to do? That flour is going to make a little, it's going to, it's a thickener. It's kind of like a roux. You're making a roux, R-O-U-X. It's a thickener. Uh, in addition to the flour, you're going to add your Cajun seasoning and then you're going to cook it and stir it constantly because you don't want that roux to burn or the, the flour to burn. You know, cook, uh, stir it constantly for two minutes. Plus, it's going to really um, make it come together well. Stir it constantly for two minutes. Gradually add the milk and then cook, stirring occasionally until thickened and bubbly. Reduce the heat to low. Add the cheese and cook, stirring constantly until the cheese is melted and the texture is smooth. Add the cooked pasta, stirring gently to combine and then serve immediately. So this is not one of those baked macaroni dishes. This is something you can do on the stovetop. Pretty quick and simple. It's not going to take too long. And you talk about uh, impress your friends and family. I, I like that. That That is cool. That is very, very cool. Uh, so that, that recipe I will post over in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com, Cajun macaroni and cheese. Now, the second recipe that I'm not going to have time to give you today because I talk too much is uh, my favorite uh, uh, chili recipe. I got this recipe from Cooks Illustrated. I don't know if you uh, are familiar with that magazine. Cooks Illustrated is awesome. You have folks who uh, who have been put this magazine together for years and years, and they go through and they test, rigorously test recipes. So you know that what you're coming out with at the end, what they actually publish, works. Now, of course, there are no recipe police. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. Cook the way you want it to taste. Cook the way you want to. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, you, nobody's going to come and arrest you because you didn't follow the recipe. There are no recipe police. So if you want to add a little more cayenne or a little, you know, more bacon grease or <laughs> something healthy like that, do it. You know, you can do it. Uh, but the, the recipes here are solid. So, you know, Cook's Illustrated is going to work. It's going to be good. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to save this for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do this in a separate show. Maybe uh, tomorrow's show, I'll share this particular recipe with you. Uh, but you talk about fantastic. And why, why is it? Because you are actually taking the whole chilies, the dried ancho chilies. You're going to cut them up yourself. You're going to roast them. And that is going to be the basis for this particular chili recipe. I'm telling you, the depth of flavor in this thing, mm, there's nothing like it. It is my favorite. And again, I will probably have to share that with you next show. Uh, but that's what happens here. You know, you're listening again to the Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. And uh, if you are new to Breadbox Media or you're new to the Catholic Foodie Show, go to breadboxmedia.com and, 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 and check it out. Uh, it is amazing. A lot of great content over there. Catholic inspirational content. Things that that are real, you know, about real life, about family, kind of help you grow in faith right where you are. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything together. You just need to, to plug in 
and listen, and uh, you'll be impressed. So thank you again for uh, joining me here today on The Catholic Foodie Show. We'll be back tomorrow. And until then, bon appetit.